Purposely Podcasts. We deliberately speak to social entrepreneurs, charity founders, and all-round awesome people to hear their founder story. A really warm welcome to episode 24 of Purposely Podcasts featuring Nick Russell, founder of New Zealand-based charity Kenzie's Gift. They support the mental health of children, young people and families affected by serious illness. You're going to get a lot out of this episode. I did. Let's get into the show. Welcome to Purposely Podcast. And my guest today is Nick Russell, founder and director of Kenzie's Gift. Hi, Nick. Hi, Mark. Lovely to be speaking to you today. It's great to um, be here at last after our false starts this morning. Yeah, we had a few technical issues. Do you know what? I, I had, you and I, the listeners might know this, but you and I share the same neighborhood. And uh, word has reached me that there were orcas um, swimming in our neighborhood. Um, not, in the, not in the streets, but uh, you know, in the sea. Did you have the uh, opportunity to go down and see that? Well, actually, Mark, whenever our technical issues happened this morning, I snuck off for a swim. And I was there watching the orcas. I was in the sea with them, but they weren't close enough to me, but we seen them off in the distance. So it was rather magical today, um, our swim down at them, down at the beach. So it was actually fortuitous that you had technical issues this morning. Yeah, they all worked out really well. Unfortunately, I didn't get there myself, but I've heard um, secondhand that that was the case. And um, I thought we could start um, by asking a question around, um, for our listeners really, um, but, but what does Kenzie's gift do um, and what was the inspiration behind it? So Kenzie Skiff, we support the mental health of young Kiwis and their families who are facing serious illness or grief. And how that all came about, Mark, was back in 2005, both myself and my then three-year-old daughter, Kenzie, were both diagnosed with cancer. We had aggressive cancers um, diagnosed within three months of each other. Kenzie had a, a urine sarcoma, which was a bone cancer at the top of her spine. And I was diagnosed with aggressive stage three breast cancer. So through the course of that year, it was very traumatic. You know, Kenzie was paralyzed and disabled as a result of her cancer. My own cancer diagnosis was um, meant I had quite aggressive and um, invasive um, treatment to go through. My marriage broke up. Um, I was then a single mom with not just Kenzie to look after, but my five-year-old son as well. Um, I had no family here. Um, family did fly down to help support us. The community was really good, but it was um, it was a hard thing to navigate, um, not just physically, but the emotional and mental toll it took was was huge. And I was quite fortunate in the sense that that I knew to ask for help, and I got got a wonderful um, psychotherapist called Maxine Bergen Page, who you know supported me at no charge because I mean, as a single mom at that time and dealing with you know a child that was seriously ill and myself. You know, I had no disposable income, you know, to, to, to pay for that type of support. And Maxine's seen me for actually a number of years, um, not just through that journey, because Kenzie Fred tragically died at the end of that year. And um, and it was the darkest period of my life. And um, I can honestly say I would not be here today if it was not for Maxine Bergen Page helping me navigate that. Really? It's yeah. okay to fix my body, but, you know, I, I was devastated and, you know, I had a beautiful young son to after as well and he needed the support as well because this just didn't happen to me it happened to him it happened to the extended family so what was glaringly obvious 
was that there was nothing out there to support the mental health of families. Um, you know, I mean, there was wonderful peer-to-peer -peer support, absolutely. There was wonderful practical supports out there. Wonderful charities doing amazing stuff, um, absolutely, um, to support from a peer-to-peer -peer level. And, um, and we had wonderful support, but for the mental health that just was not there and not with, you know, when you're facing that level of trauma, you really need highly skilled professionals to work with families because, you know, it's not, you know, not just missing, you know, if it's not just the doggy dying or it's, or divorce or other things that can happen. This is it's high trauma stuff. It's highly complex and complicated with multiple issues going on. So, yeah, so that's where the inspiration for Kenzie's gift came about was the lack of, of support that was there. Yeah. And also the fact that, you know, Kenzie only got to have a very short life. Um, she was very tenacious and gregarious and funny. And, you know, I mean, she, how she navigated her own illness as a three-year-old was quite inspiring, to be fair, because children live in the moment, don't they? So they're not looking to the future if they're feeling shitty on a day. You know it, um, as only a three-year-old will let you know. Um, but when they're feeling great, they're feeling great and they're embracing every moment they can get out of life. And I think, you know... Um, you know, she squeezed every moment out of life when she was well enough to squeeze it. And um, yeah, so I wanted the legacy to her as well to honor her, her very short life and, uh, you know, create a brighter future for others facing a similar yeah. that we did. So, and, yeah. you're, and you're certainly doing that. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. And also, because um, you're, you're from Northern Ireland, don't you? So you could have easily just jumped on a plane and gone, you know, back to where you understood, you know, life and where friends were and family were what what stopped do you think was it was it that support from Maxine and were, were there other things at play well I think you know you've got to be you know realistic my ex-husband was a Kiwi and you know while the relationship broke down between me and him and his, you know it, you know I'm not going into too much of that relationship but I made a choice to have children with this with this man you know they had a right to a relationship with him um, so even though our relationship broke down, I had no right to take the children away from him. And I mean, international law wouldn't allow you to do that either. You know what I mean? Because I mean, so it's just not a case of a marriage breaks down, you hop back on a plane, you jump off home. You can't, you know what I mean? And it wasn't just from legal perspective, but my thing was, these are innocent, you know, children in the, in the mix, you know, because my relationship broke down, they still had a right to the relationship with their father. So, you know, I never thought for a moment of going back and also, I came to New Zealand on my own at 23. You know, I mean, I didn't come here for a relationship. I didn't, you know, I met my ex-husband here. He wasn't the reason I decided to stay. I stayed because I love the country and, and I love the people and I love the lifestyle. So, you know, this is my adopted homeland and, and where I wanted to be. And also Kenzie's buried here. You know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, I was not going to pack up ship and, and go home. And, you know, my, I met wonderful, you know, friends here. I consider family. And it's, um, so no, you know, uh, yeah. It wasn't a, a, you know, a thought never entered my mind of going back, to be fair. So, yeah. No. And so your own cancer, so you had um, aggressive type 2 breast cancer, is that right? Aggressive stage 3. Stage, um, right. Yeah, HER2 positive breast cancer. So for me, my treatment regime then um, involved a double mastectomy, an overectomy, chemotherapy, um, radiotherapy, um, immunotherapy, and... Um, yeah, and um, hormone therapy. So it was quite, you know, an extensive regime as well. Um, so, I mean, but I think for me at the time, 
I what what my defining moment was was Kenzie's diagnosis because even though I had to face all that treatment, I was never hospitalized. You know, I mean, I went in as a day stay and came out and I had you know surgeries and things like that. But Kenzie was disabled as a result of her illness. You know, she died. That was my defining moment. I lost a child. So while you know cancer in its own right, you know, for people that go through it, I mean, it is a traumatic journey, and yes, you have to face your mortality and your body not working the way it does and altered, you know, body image for your various reasons, which cancer can do to you. The defining moment for me was Kenzie, you know what I mean? And it's, and mine's paled into significance as in my worldview, in my experience, because I had two, I had two um, frames of reference, my own and hers, and hers was yeah. much worse than mine. So yeah, and understandable. And yeah. in preparation for the, podcast and, and I read a lot about what you've said because you've you've done a, a TED talk which is absolutely superbly delivered but you talk about people saying really dumb things to you um you also talk about what you learned through grief um and the sort of physical nature of grief um and then coming coming through it just give a guess of of that uh, idea of that journey like what that's been like and, and some of those dumb things people said to people or those were actually also those relationships that kind of ended because people couldn't deal with what you were going through or yeah i think it's um like subsequently to me and kenzie's diagnosis as you've alluded to in the ted talk i've subsequently been diagnosed with parkinson's and i've got heart failure as well genetic not lifestyle or or or, or as a result of treatment yeah. so people often go oh it's a treatment on Bad, 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 big pharma, not the case. Um, so I think, you know, what grief taught me was that, you know, there's, you have to accept, I think, whenever things happen to you in life, that there's some things you don't have control over. You cannot, I couldn't change the fact that Kenzie got cancer. I couldn't change the fact that she died. I couldn't change the fact of my own diagnosis. These were things outside of my control that bad things happen to good people all the time. You know, I mean, it's not the result of some higher being, you know, dishing out, you know, penalties or, 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 um, or, or, or things like that. And it's not that, you know, individual choices that you made that has caused this to happen to you. I think that, you know, you have to, once you accept that, you know, you cannot control it, but what can you control is, is, and the cliche is, it sounds as how you respond to it. I mean, it's like, I looked at the fact that after Kenzie died, well, my son was five. Um, grief just didn't happen to me, it happened to him. How I responded to grief and what I, how I modeled, how I dealt with it moving forward would ultimately affect not just his childhood, but the man that he would become. I didn't want this to ruin his life. You know, I, I looked at the fact that I had a wonderful support network around me. I, I turned to the things that I knew brought me pleasure and joy. I knew that, you know, my grief would never go and it doesn't go and you don't move on from it. I think your life grows around your grief. That's what I found really quite quickly. Um, I found that I, I could build a life around it. It was um, unrecognized moments when it was really too tough and really too hard. I could, I could be in that moment with it. Um, but I also knew for me, I love being outside in nature. I knew that, you know, if it being near the water, it, it would calm the storm in my beating heart. It would, um, you know, just being beside the ocean. I grew up beside the ocean. I loved, you know, being out walking. I loved connecting with friends. Um, I knew setting goals for myself, you know, going back to university, being involved in the Herceptin campaign, you know, being busy. 
for me was a way of coping. So I turned to things that would help me cope. But as I said, I couldn't do it all on my own. There's things you can do at an individual level, which those are my things. For some people, it's writing, it's singing, it's, you know, it's uh, being creative. It's having an outlet for your, for it, you know what I mean? And being able to express it in a way that, you know, you, you can make sense of it. Yeah. Because uh, Billy Connolly is, um, is, you find the therapeutic, don't you? Laughing. You, you, oh, yeah. You said uh, crying, you can't cry while you, while you laugh, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, um, I mean, it's like, I mean, um, me, me and Connor, like, have both developed a love of, of, ups, of, of stand-up comedy. I mean, you know, at nights, because during the day I could be busy, right? But at night, I mean, the tears would just, you would be overwhelmed because your brain just goes a million miles an hour. And the tears would come and, I, and they wouldn't stop. But the only thing that would stop them would be Billy Connolly. And I would have put on Billy Connolly and, you know, and it worked every time because I could not help myself but laugh at the man. And um, he is so irreverent, so on PC. He calls it as it is. I mean, I, I loved it. And I mean, I would laugh and you can't actually physically laugh and cry at the same time. And it worked. And, um, and ever since then, I mean, me and Connor, I will spend money not going to concerts, but if there's a stand-up comic in town, Guaranteed, I'll have tickets and I'll be the you'll front be, seat. You'll be there. I think laughing. <laughs> I'll be good. there. And, so uh, just, yeah. just exploring, because um, I want to get back to what, what, all of the things that your body keeps throwing at you. But just in terms of Kenzie's gift, so you know, the, I think um, there are you know another other people people in history have started not for profits or charities um, to make me, make sense and and give meaning to a loss of a child um, and where sometimes it's, it gets difficult is that grief cycle. Um, you know, they haven't, they're in the right space for it yet or three years in they've, they found themselves running an organization with, with employees with this huge mission with all this fundraising expectation. And actually it's not why they got into it in the first place. Um, but you started Kenzie's Gift after you'd been through that kind of some of that early grief or been, you know, speaking to Maxine and going through that therapy. Um, what did you want the charity to do for Kenzie's memory? And, you know, do you, do you worry about five years, 10 years when you don't want to be running an organization or have you got a plan to sort of, um, cause you see your name every day, don't you? Which, um, I imagine fills your heart with glee. Well, joy. I suppose, I, suppose it, I mean, it, it does, but you know, it's not, I mean, like Kenzie's legacy, you know, for me lives on in, in and her being a part of my life and, and, and her memory, not so much the charity. Sometimes you do ask yourself when people get start off, start off charities. I mean, I knew for one fact that I was never going to be the one to deliver therapy. That was never my mission because to me, I was very cognizant, even though I've got a psychology degree and my postgrads in PR and comms, believe it or not. But I mean, I knew I was studying psychology whenever Kenzie got sick and died, but I knew after she died that one thing I did not want to be was a therapist because I did not want it to be seen that I was using my grief, you know, using it as the tool or an outlet, projecting my journey for one for a better word onto others. So that was, yeah. that was always a new, that was not the space for me. What I knew where I could affect change was actually to you get highly skilled and highly qualified people in that role that the charity would, you know, employ, you know, or contract in to deliver the service. You know, I knew that we needed a really strong board, you know, business minded board, because it's like, you know, passion, but you need a skill set to govern a board, you know what I mean? And, and where my skill set was lacking, pulling those skills in that we needed. And um, and as the charity has grown, you know, we've turned to the board and it's the areas where we need more skill set brought on. We're, we're continuously recruiting, 
you know, and filling that, you know, when we're looking at the board as the charity's growing, where we need to fill fill those spaces in, and um, to help us, you know, continue to grow up because we want a sustainable charity, right? But, you know, I was not a wealthy woman, you know. I mean, I had no money setting it up. You know, we had wonderful the Guardian Trust came across and did the trustee for us. We had a wonderful group of trustees. We sold my friend sold her bed shop and we sold these beds to get three thousand dollars to start it off, and um, and it was. It was a passion and love affair to you know to get this moving forward but i always worked you know with children and you know this is an area where i was very passionate about you know was people's mental health and you know for me kenzie's legacy and growing the charity that was what it has been about it's not having her name in lights it is actually about you know having you know i'm not the one directly working with families as i said you know and i'm a bit you know, separate from it but when you get a message through from a family about the difference you've made and that you've given the child, their child, their future back again, and what that has meant to them, keeps me going. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not to have my name in lights or Kenzie's name in lights. Kenzie inspired it. You know what I mean? But we wanted, my ultimate, I suppose, goal is to make the journey that a little bit easier because it was so traumatic. Because Kenzie was traumatized, she had post-traumatic stress disorder because there was a delay in her diagnosis. She was so traumatized. You know what I mean? I was traumatized, but I knew I had to manage Connor. I wanted a good life for him. I wanted to, and I, and I could see that happening to families around me. And there's been so little, especially in, in the New Zealand context of this level of support for grief. And it's not talked about a lot and we're death averse, you know? And mm. um, it's been hard to get the money in for funding for therapy because therapy is a high investment cost. It's $160 a session. You cannot fix a child in six or 10 sessions. So it tends to be, it might be a bit more long-term for families and children. And, you know, so that's always been hard to get that investment in for families, you know? And, mm. um, but it's what we're passionate about because we see what the investment is doing, you know, long-term, you know, yeah. for, for our young adults. And, and, you know, some of our young Kiwis who have got, who are going on, on the cusp of their adulthood now, They've had the investment and are coming back and saying thank you, what it's meant to them and where they're going with their lives. And they're going to be players in New Zealand society because they had the right support at the right time. We're not the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. And yeah. that's why we've got the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service referring into us because they don't do grief. It's mental health and there's a long wait time for children to get support in the mental health service. So children that are afraid about you know, traumatic grief aren't going to get that support. Mm. And I think grief is uh, that period, you know, early grief stage um, can be so acute and, mm. the, and the sort of meltdown so, so extreme and um, actually, as, you know, when support is needed most. And you're, you know, like you, you're saying, you're really well qualified. So in your TED talk, you talk about the noughties not being really kind to you and, you, you know, and you've touched on it already around um, a heart condition as, as well as early onset Parkinson's disease at 46. Um, I mean, have you, I you could know, feel pity for yourself at times. You must think, but actually you just keep coming back for more and you just, cause you've had to give up on a lot of um, outdoor adventure sport stuff, didn't you, haven't you? But you've, you know, you still swim, you still get out, you still ride. Um, have you, you just keep coming back and with fight and belief and just keep, keep on keeping on. What's your kind of coping mechanism for that? Well, I think uh, we go back to the fight, Kenzie, right? So. She only got to be here for three years, right? She had a very short life. And 
you know, she grasped every moment of it, you know, to, to the maximum. And even though my body keeps malfunctioning at, at a major level, you know, you know, the two main organs that we've got a heart and your brain, which is two major degenerative conditions <laughs> affecting them. But, you know, if I didn't live my life to the fullest, I would be dishonoring her memory and her legacy, right? You know what I mean? So yeah, I could have a pity party all, all, all I like. I mean, yes, sport was a big part of who I was. I used to teach scuba diving. I used to do mountain bike races, adventure races, um, whitewater rafting trips, you know, you name it. If, if it had adventure in, in, in the title, I was in for a penny and for a pound. And, um, but I, 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 I did put a lot into those first 40 years before my heart started to go down the gurgler, right? So, so I suppose I, I, I can't look back and say, well, I wish I had done X, Y, and Z because I'd done a lot of it. There's still some things I wanted to do that, you know, now I can't. But I think, you know, you know, I mean, if, 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 if I sort of have a major pity party and, and, and be a Debbie Downer about it, well, it's not going to get me anywhere. I can't change it. It goes back to that thing. I can't change it, can I? So all I can do is adapt. And I've got an electric bike now and I still swim, but it's, it's a dip and dash. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's especially swimming medley for me. <laughs> and um, mm -hmm. no longer am I doing a 3K ocean swim. Um, but I, I still get in the water and I enjoy it. And, you know, my body will continue to degenerate. You know what I mean? The Parkinson's will get worse. The heart will get worse. But I'll just keep adapting as, as that continues to happen. And, you know what I mean? And if I end up having to be wheeled into the ocean at some stage, you know, with Parkinson's with a friend, well, well so be it. But, you know what I mean? That's just... We'll just have to cross those bridges when we come to them, you know, and it's, um, yeah, yeah, but I'll just keep maximizing it as, as best I can at the moment, you know, that's all I can do, you know, I can't, if I look to the future too much, I, I do my head in, you know, so. Yeah, and because your, your journey's so, you know, it's, it's been so it's so unique, and it would be one way of describing it, but certainly other ways of describing it. What, what have you found out about your relationships, like, over that time with, um, and, you know, you've, I've heard you talk about um, some ended because of it, and 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 why, and then it's a strengthened relationships. It's put more value in it. I imagine your relationship with your son's incredibly tight. Yeah, I mean, I think what you realise is like, for many people who have faced a serious illness or a bereavement, they will have experienced this where they get ghosted by friends, or you thought were good friends would be there for you, and they are no longer there. It's I think that that's a telling point where you just let them go because, you know, the relationship wasn't worth it. You know what I mean? If, if somebody cannot be with you in your darkest moment and, and walk with you shoulder to shoulder when you need them most, that relationship's not worth investing in. And as much as that might be hurtful at the time, you just let it go. Because what I found was other people came into my life that I did not really know at the time and have become consummate friends who I treasure and admire and I invest in those relationships because they are the ones that are important. And, you know, I mean, they will be with you, you know, forever. And you may not see them frequently, but they're always there, you know, because their lives get busy and, you know, I mean, whatever. And, um, but, you know, your true friends will always be there when you need them. And you, and you can repay that because whenever they need you, you'll be there for them. And it's, um, and I mean, people that I am attracted to or drawn to are people that have empathy, compassion, they are doers, not talkers. I mean, we've all met talkers who talk the talk, but definitely cannot walk the walk. And um, and I think, you know, you know, those that are, some people are a bit more shallow. It's more about, well, this costs that much and that costs this, and I've got the bigger car, I've got a bigger house, and this is important, what school are your kiddies at, and how much did that cost? Well, none of that, no, that's important. 
you know, when you're on your deathbed, that's not what you're going to remember. Oh, I bought so-and-so this diamond ring that cost $10,000. That's not what you're going to remember. Your children aren't going to remember that. Um, you know, the things I remember about Kenzie, you know, with her was the moments we spent at Rainbow's End, the times we spent at the beach, at, at the domain. It's those memories that I've got, not what we bought her. And she certainly doesn't remember what she was bought. It was the time with us and same for Connor. It was those experiences that you have together. And I think those, those are what, that's what is important is experiences and the relationships. And I think it's coming back to that, to what is ultimately important. And it's, um, and for me, you know, like for example, when the kiddies were little, I was a stay-at-home mommy. And, um, and I used to look at my friends enviously, you know, cause their careers were shitting off and they were earning so much more money and could afford X, Y, and Z. And I used to go, you know, and that, that's why I went back to university and thought, well, I need to study. So when the kids go back to school and I can start, you know, a career. And then Kenzie got sick. And I thought, you know, for me, I had the three years with Kenzie at home. I can't get them back. You know what I mean? So I, mean, but I was at home with her. So I got mm. those three years, you know, and Connor yeah. got to have his mum at home. And then fortuitously, the jobs I've done, I've been able to work remotely. You know what I mean? I've, uh, it's, um, you know, I've been able to work with a wonderful organisation who's been great over the years. Uh, for me, especially as a single mum, where I've had the ability to work flexibly. You know what I mean? I've still delivered good outcomes, you know, and exceeded outcomes for them and being able to do it remotely and, and flexibly. And so, I mean, I haven't had to be in an office nine to five and be yeah. micromanaged, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I've been able to deliver productively for them. And, I've, uh, and I'm still committed to that organization today, you know, because of, you know, there's a good trust relationship and they, and they do good work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, and I'm dedicated to them as well. And, you know, that pin drop. Yeah, pin drop. Yeah, um, yeah. Pin drop foundation. And then they're also a charity and they work, you know, advocating strongly for you know cochlear implants for for adults who have lost their hearing because they were terribly underfunded in new zealand and they do lots of awareness and education and stuff and, and they're a great organization and have a lot of respect for them and, and the work that they do and um you know and they've been a wonderful organization to work with so yeah, yeah. and looking ahead to the future of kids's gift and where you want it to to take it so like you've touched on the fact you've got a really good committed board and i've met one of your uh, I met your chair actually, and and I can concur with that. Um, so there's sort of an advocacy role in terms of like highlighting because there's a lot of talk about funding mental health. There's a lot of talk about um, this and that in that space, but sometimes not a lot of action. Um, so 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 direct support for people, some advocacy work, and just shining a light. Um, so recently you invited me. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend, but a, a photography exhibition, which um, was a really great way of highlighting grief but yeah looking forward to the future for Kinsey's gift yeah well we do want to get more into you know and that's the strategic direction you know we're taking with with the board is more into the advocacy space so you know why you know we need to continue with the grassroots and making sure people get the therapy at the right you know the right support at the right time you know but that needs you know a lot more investments there's lots of work going into you know driving more investment into that area you know there is the grief kits which is practical support and of course extensive online resource but you know, to affect change in higher investment, we need more advocacy in the space. And um, so that's really what we're embarking on sort of in 2021 moving forward, you know, with a strategic direction. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're very fortunate to have, you know, um, you know, quite a few, um, we've got um, a couple of uh, good sessions coming up with the likes of Kevin McCaffrey and, and, and others, you know, helping us with that new direction and some other clinical psychologists, you know, sort of setting that pathway forward in, in 2021. And because um, we really do, I think, need to affect change in this area, because it's not just, you know, the kids were getting lots of requests from parents as well who have been bereaved, you know, tragically have lost their children 
and uh, so we do need more support for them as well and not just from a peer-to-peer -peer, you know um area as well you know they do need sort of high-end um you know support as well to, to help them navigate through it so um yeah there is lots of areas that we want to you know continue to you know um, work in and, and all the and reach other areas you know is for example you know can we do more of a phone service type thing you know so where everybody where they invest in, in high-end therapy might not need that but just you know maybe you know a phone call a bit of advice you know on on how to you know or they're just having a bit of a few bits of struggles and they just need a little bit more you know um tips and someone to talk to on the end of the phone so there is areas that we're looking to branch into as well and it's um and we're always open and thing is with any charity is like you'll know mark as well when you're looking at your service delivery what you know where, how can we extend a reach how can we make the best use of our investment you know how you know how do we serve our communities better you know and how, how do we do it you know and it's always evolving and adapting and i think as organizations where we're able to respond in that way it, it's really good so yeah and can, what sort of founder are you are you you happy to be challenged by your board um what's that dynamic like between you and your trustees well, I think absolutely be challenged with the board because I, I'm certainly not, it's all about me.com. It's never been about that for me. You know what I mean? It's about, you know, the communities that we serve and how do we best serve them. So, I mean, and that's when we bring, you know, people onto the board. It's not all about, you know, a board that's saying, you know, I want a board that will, that, you know, that helps me grow. You know what I mean? It helps the organization go. And I want them to look not at me, but it's the organization and the communities we meet. And that's what I look for in a board. You know what I mean? Not yes people. You know what I mean? Because that, that serves no one, right? So, you know, you want that, you know, broad skill set. So, yes, and, and you want a, a board that's got, you know, who will challenge ideas so you can have a think tank, right? So it's not about, you know, so we're putting an idea and they go, well, actually, Nick, I don't like that idea and I think we should be doing this. It's like, right, okay, you know, and it's and it's a meeting of minds, really, you know, and it's mm. um, the yeah. goal is making sure how do we best meet the needs of, you know, young Kiwis and their families who are facing serious illness or grief um, in New Zealand and, and how do we go on what's the best way of, of doing that you know without losing sight of what you know Kenzie's gift you know is there to do so yeah yeah I think you're right and it's staying rooted to the vision uh the mission and the purpose kind of takes care of a lot of the other, other stuff isn't it and then it kind of stops that when you were just talking I thought of force of personality so sometimes on boards you get a real forceful personality and that can kind of lead an organization in the wrong direction and they talk about there's a term I love actually mission creep and it yeah. can be often two a couple of reasons mission creep one is funding they funding forces you down a rabbit hole um but then also force of personality or sometimes ego as well you know like mm. um but you know like I've I've met your chair and, and I know you're um you're a bit about your board and that's not going to happen to you um and, and great to keep coming back to that to that mission um in terms of of personal goals like when you look at the you know the, the next decade um what what sort of like relationship focus um balancing your organizational organization's focus and also you just enjoying life what any any big goals but once covid's over some travel or do you want does part of you want to head home to northern ireland no i think it's um I mean, travel and stuff would be nice, but the reality is when you're dealing with sort of like the health issues that I've got, long distance travel, you know, comes with its risks, right? You know what I mean? And it, and it takes a toll, right? So um, I think goal-wise, you know, we would definitely like to see Kenzie's gift at the next level. You know I mean? Us as a board, you know, as, you know, as trustees and stuff, you know, we really want to, you know, extend the reach because demand for service is increasing rapidly, you know, as, as awareness has gotten out about the service and, 
and a reputation for delivering. And that's thanks to our therapists, the quality of our therapy team that we've got. Um, so I think, you know, we, we definitely want to be reaching more people and have the resources to enable us to do that. So that's really important for us. And um, yeah, and I think it's, it's um, and, and personally, it's, um, you know, I think just, you know, in enjoying life and enjoying the, you know, this beautiful adopted homeland of ours in New Zealand, I, I am appreciative of, 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 of those blessings and the wonderful people I've got to meet along the way. And it's, um, you know, and just experiencing more of it. And um, there's my, if you hear noises coming through, it's my son coming home, the dog going to start barking. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And does um, your son still live, live with you? Yeah, he's going off to yeah. university back in the new year to do economics and information systems. Oh, fantastic. So, um, yeah, so that's, that, that, that's his goals anyhow. So it's, um, yeah. Great um, period of his life. Well, um, hey, ma massive thank you for joining me. Really appreciate it. And good to reconnect. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, see each other in the hood, as they say. Yeah, and thanks so much, Marilu. You have a wonderful summer and, and Christmas ahead. And thank you so much for the opportunity to, to chat with you today. It's been wonderful to be invited along. Um, I've enjoyed listening to you, to your podcast and they're absolutely amazing and you're doing fantastic work. Oh, thank you. A massive thank you for listening to Purpose of Podcasts. I'm thoroughly enjoying bringing these stories to you. Visit our website, purposefpodcast.com. Join our tribe, leave your email address. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please hit subscribe. Please leave a review, really appreciate it. 